Welcome to Wonder Queer Podcast. Uh, we're so happily here in episode 16, and uh, we're really happy you're here uh, to join us. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming. We have got a wonderful guest today. We have Heather, and Heather lives in Asheville, North Carolina, and they are a queer, inclusive sex educator, pelvic physical therapist, and crotch artist, and they're queer AF. So welcome, Heather. We're so glad to ha have you here, and we can't wait to hear your story. I am so excited to be here. This is such a great podcast and such a fun and unusual way that I get to kind of interact with things right now. So I'm, I'm excited. While I am not an exceptionally woo person, I have a whole lot of woo that shows up in my life in ways that I just can't ignore. I, I kind of tend to see so much of it as like all sorts of things as magical. So when I was starting to think of how I was going to put together this story, it was a little tricky. And then I'm like, wait, but like, everyone else probably thinks all oh, this stuff is just really mundane and boring, you know, where I'm like, magic, wonderful, look at it. My story begins with a really, really intense year, actually kind of a couple of years that I had back in 2012, 2013. So um, my, my mom was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer when I was 31. Um, so that was like in 2011. And it was, she was diagnosed when my youngest son was five weeks old. So from like, and I already had another toddler at the time. And so all of like my, the baby years with the kids was very much in dealing with like the hardest shit that I've had to deal with. Like, you know, um, and my mom was definitely like my go-to person for everything. My, you know, talked to her multiple times a day, best friend sort of person. And so that was a hard year. And then she ended up dying in 2012. Um, also during that year is when I realized that I wasn't actually straight. So, you know, I'm in a very like straight monogamous marriage with two babies and all sorts of, you know, stressful life things going on with um, my mom and I realized that like oh here's another big thing that I've never actually noticed acknowledged and now it really needs to be addressed and figured out because otherwise it's just going to keep going in my head about what the hell's going on here um, and then also it was you know with all like the stress test of those couple of years it was definitely a big time that my, I realized that like my marriage had far more issues than just me being queer. And one of those big issues was just like sexuality, just sex was not working. It was not there. It was not anything that was like I wanted. So, you know, here I'm sitting in this place, right? Like realizing my own queer identity and not like having any outlets for it, any places for it to go, you know, dealing with my grief and also with two toddlers. Just fuck. Like I felt like the, the two places in which I operated during those times were like I either felt like I was like absolutely like on fire. Like I could feel myself consumed in flames. And sometimes they were hard flames, but sometimes they were like the best kind of flames that just made me feel so alive and so just like there and present and I could you know feel connected with like everything around me and I could you know like taste the air through my skin and I could you know just really 
feel more alive than I had been. And then like it would stop really suddenly. And then I would feel just like I was this empty shell. Like I pictured myself as like like this egg sort of thing. And so I would be like either this like flaming ball, you know, or I would just be like this cracked, burnt out, charred like shell of a person. <laughs> and like those were like my two states of being. You know, because I no longer had, like, my mom, who was my person, who I would go to with all of those feelings, you know. And it was very clear that my spouse, like, that was not what our relationship was. Like, it never really had been, you know, and I didn't realize that. Um, and so I decided that I was like, you know, I should, I should write, you know. Like, I'm just going to, like, take all of this stuff, all of these feelings and all of this stuff, but I'm just going to, like, write fiction, like, to do this as an escape. And so I start writing this novel and it was definitely not about me. <laughs> it was about this woman. She was in a marriage with uh, her husband and they just they just couldn't connect and she had all these additional needs and desires, right? And and so she decides to start this blog where she's like kind of this like sexual person being like writing about things and writing about her feelings and all of her fantasies and stuff like that. So I remember I was like, well, I can't really write about someone who is starting this blog about these things if I don't actually start a blog and write about these things. And so <laughs> like, because I have to make it accurate, right? Like I have to know the process of starting a blog and know what it feels like. So then I start the blog and I start writing about like all of these different, you know, just uh, sexual themes and ideas and thoughts on like, you know, like parenting and monogamy and, you know, and all of that and how it ties into your sexual self, you know. It's like my straight girl sex blog. There was another experience that my character had where she decided to go to like this very like fried green tomatoes theme, right? Like a sex class sort of vulva workshop thing. Again, something I had never done, right? So I'm just like writing all of these things and I'm like, I've never done this. Like, how can I write about this if I don't actually go do it? So I end up going to a, um, a class, a sex and power workshop, and it was so much fun and I learned so much stuff. And it was, it definitely turned into being a very pivotal moment for my life. Like so many of the things that I'm doing now, I can 100% trace back to going to that class. And I only went to that class because I was writing a story that was not about me, but I had to research this character, you know, <laughs> to, to make sure I knew what to write for her. This very practical, sensible, responsible, down-to-earth person. And then she's writing in this place that's like very, very different than that, you know. And so I was like not identifying with either of these characters. And then it like turns out I'm like completely writing myself, like writing my entire psyche in the two different characters that I could kind of identify at that point. So I ended up doing a, a private session with one of the instructors from the Sex and Power Workshop who was a, a somatic sexologist. It really made me identify like where in my body that I, I held what like those two characters basically you know and it was a very clear differentiation for me like when I was like kind of waist above I was all my the my responsible character you know like all like like and her name is Anna I should just say she's the girl who gets shit 
done. You know, like she is all executive function and she also likes to have sex, but she likes to do it from a very executive function sort of place. And then Vivian is my absolute like goddess, heathen, like feed me grapes in bed sort of um, character. And that is absolutely from the waist down. Vivian was what, who's writing the blog while Anna is operating every day. I learned myself in new ways and the inner conflict, you know, like this, this fight that I felt in my head a lot. Um, all of a sudden I knew who was fighting, you know, and I could like tease them out and tell their, and they could each tell their stories separately. And I could respect their story separately and every time I would hear that little you should do this next you should experiment with this you should try this like I would just do it years later this is during pandemic I'm doing all of this like you know queer centric sex education I'm you know talking to groups about like how to be more inclusive of like transgender care and like being aware of gender and you know clinics and making sure it's not an access or, or a barrier to access um, and doing lots of like LGBT 101 stuff you know like really feeling like I'm understanding myself a lot better as a queer person but like I'd also just kind of like I think used being queer as like a lot of the answers to why shit went wrong before like when we like oh that was why I failed at being a straight person (laughs) you know because I wasn't you know so it was much easier to just take like all of the the like pain and discomfort and like rejection and like it's just all the hurt and sorrow that I felt from you know my my marriage that had ended and just like put it away, like put it in a little box and like just put it away because it was like, oh, well, I was gay, you know, like I knew that wasn't true, but it was way the easier way to package it. I never got to like dig back into that. All my hetero wounds, you know, like I didn't have to deal with any of those. So during the pandemic, you know, like it changed relationships a lot connection and like physical presence versus more like you know just kind of intellectual presence on like the people who you could text with and have meaningful relationships like for me those were the relationships that really started you know like coming up one of the people that I um had this a a friendship like that was where we just kind of communicated and would talk about kind of like bigger, deeper, you know, heavier stuff and things like that was this guy who um, had become a pretty good friend of mine prior to the pandemic. Um, But, you know, we kind of stayed in contact through it. And yeah, like cis straight guy, you know, like I do not have very many of those in my life anymore. Like we were just exchanging some songs, you know, and there was one that he sent me And then it was like the way that he followed up with it, where it just made it feel like it was a little bit more like he was sending that song to me, not like he was sending that song to me because he was just showing me like show and tell like the song that I like. It was more like, and no, I want you to hear the song because it's from me to you sort of energy with it. And the content of the song just like kicked my ass in ways that I had not felt in a really long time. And I was like, what the fuck? Like I could feel, like I could physically feel this chemical cascade kicking off in my brain. And um, yeah, so that was, uh, to say the least, inconvenient, right? You know, like, of course, like I'm in this, you know, long-term partnership who I fully intend to be, you know, with her forever. 
And like, so I had to tell her, you know, like, oh, fuck. Like, I just did the like accidental fall in love thing with my friend. Yep, this sucks. And now like all of those things, all of those feelings, all of that stuff that like happens, like I can't sleep. I have no appetite. Like my heart's beating all the time. I have the brain of someone who just like is obsessed. This thing that I was feeling was not a mutual thing that was going on. And like, I didn't want it to be. You can imagine Vivian and Anna in this, right? And I would, I would like to say that like a very easy place that I could have went on this was shame, right? Feeling so shameful for having like allowing myself to fall into this you know, and oh my gosh, how stupid could I be? And like all of those things. But instead I saw the whole thing because I had those characters in my head. I saw the whole thing as a play. I decided to write it as a play. And then I started realizing that like, oh, there's actually more characters in here that want to weigh in as well. (laughs) And so (laughs) I ended up writing more characters that were all also me and letting them all have their conversation and letting them all figure out how the hell they were going to anchor down Vivian through this crazy time while also letting Vivian like have her moment to feel really hurt and really sad and unpack all of the shit that you know it was triggered from like all of the stuff that I just was like oh no I'm queer now like I don't have these feelings listening to my writing would end up being like super sweet and healing and wonderful for me there's my story Thanks so much, Heather, uh, for telling us your story, your journey through, you know, for me, the, your journey through writing. And I really, uh, it's, we haven't had anybody on talking about writing and it's really nice. And um, to, to just have that as the focus, because uh, Marshall and I both uh, really value writing and both of us write quite a bit. And for me, I, I love the idea of writing yourself back to yourself and writing yourself back to your truth and your real deeper self. Um, and that being so having so many parts and stages and, um, nuances to it. And I wanted to just ask you about, uh, what you feel like is the magic or the awe of that process for you? I think, I think the magic of, of that was, I mean, really in the the first part of the story about it kind of being like while my mom was sick and after my mom um, passed away, like it, the, it was, it was that I hadn't really like done that before of like listened to myself and tell myself what I wanted to, or, you know, what I wanted or what I needed past what I thought I should be. I was always operating just on shoulds, but then like when my mom died I definitely, like, everything felt magical. Like, I mean, you know, and definitely, like, in the the fiery, more fiery moments, I was like, I could feel her everywhere. I could feel, I, you know, just, like, that that thing, you know, that, that a lot of people talk about after they lose someone they love is, like, and so I think that, that the magic for me was, it was like the veil was lifted up to the, like all of a sudden see that the world is actually much more magical and there's much more to it than my my judging practical eyes could see so you know so it was kind of it was just like a, a great revealing of there's more you know just like all of those little things where it just everything seemed like a one in a million chance 
that that this would lead to that, which would lead to this, which would lead to the best thing that's ever happened to me, you know? And then like on like five different fronts that happened. And, you know, so it was like, Mm -hmm. is mom doing this? Is there like some great force that, you know, Mm -hmm. from beyond, or am I just like paying attention to it more? So I had someone ask me not too long ago, like, do I still feel my mom around me? And like, and it took me a second, you know, cause like, I remember that was the feeling so strong, like early on when she died. And now it's like, it's like, I don't feel that anymore, but it's like, I feel like, I feel like, like my mom is so integrated into me. Like, I feel like I am my mom. I feel like I know her thoughts and I can yeah. I, like, I, like I know what she would say in all of these different conversations and I can laugh at things through the eyes that she would have laughed at, you know, and, you know, and, and so it's just that just a, a really interesting, funny, different, like superhuman thing. But like, I feel like that's also the magic. I feel like, like we are magic. We just have to see it. <laughs> and, and there's something very um, poignant and rich mm. about that. And that, and that I, I like your questionings about like, what was I led? Did I just see it? You know? And I think often these are the combinations that we just open to it and we open to it uh, particularly when there's a, um, a death and there's something deeply tender that happens to us. It just mm-hmm. kind of takes us down to the very core and that makes us really yeah. available in ways that we are often mm-hmm. not available. Yeah. So I appreciate I that. Appreciate the question. Yeah, I think losing a parent, which most everybody goes through at some point, um, even if it's not a biological parent, but a um, a caregiver of some sort, a mentor. Um, there's something so humbling about it, and you're so tender, like Elia said. And also, I think. For me, I've found, I've been more sincere. Like my lens for the world completely changed. Mm. And it is like you have this one way and then that happens and you're cracked open and then there's everything. Like the combination, I think Elia Mm -hmm. said. And I also feel my dad around, but it's mostly when I like make an ass of myself or do something stupid and I'm like, yeah, I I know you saw that. (laughs) Great. That's usually when I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, you're here, aren't you? Thanks for helping me out. I love this this sort of dichotomy of the characters, Anna and Vivian, that you discovered. And then another dichotomy I was finding in your story was about before you were before you started writing, before you started saying yes to the things that were coming to you, like you were saying yes to your intuition. And how how was that different? for you like how did you feel different as a whole person from doing that as opposed to before when before you started writing and like all these like ping ping all these things to do started coming yeah so before so you know before the the big year where everything fell apart which wasn't really one year but I just think of it that way um like Anna was absolutely my operating force. There was no other option, you know, so I went to college and then I, you know, I, um, you know, went to, got my master's degree, you know, started my career, you know, got married, bought a house, you know, bought a car, like, you know, and then, okay, it's time to have kids. And now we, you know, one kid and now it's time to have another kid and another kid, you know? So like everything was just like, 
predetermined, like, do the thing you're supposed to do. And, you know, so, like, so that was just always, like, that. there was not even a question to that, you know. And if I, if my future self would have went back and told myself that was, like, a possibility, I probably wouldn't have believed it, mm-hmm. you know. It was, like, I really needed, like, a foundational, like, shake-up shift to really, like, understand that there's a lot more to life and the world and love and relationships and connection and like all of those things that I value now. How did you get used to listening to your intuition? Like, you know, cause you're describing a very sort of concrete way. So how did you, yeah. like we, you, we see it in your writing, but how did you in the, in your daily life, like start to tune into that, that kind of your intuition and the kind of magic kind of streams and wonderment streams that were you know, and and new paths for yourself? I love this question and it totally just made me cry. (laughs) I hadn't really thought about that before, but just, you know, um, putting it framed in there, it was because I was searching for my mom, you know? And like, because she wasn't physically here anymore, it was like the best option I had. Like there like there was like nothing to fill that like huge vacuuming gap, you know, that like and I would try, you know, like I met so many like, you know, amazing people and that's you know that that all were able to kind of like fill in for things that like that I needed from her in different ways. But I know a lot of it was just like trying to connect with like with her or with bigger or with where she was now or just like just being open to that in ways that I hadn't been which was funny because like part of my part of Anna was like Anna did like was the president of the fellowship of Christian athletes right Anna was the you know Eucharistic minister Anna did you know liturgical dances at church and things like that and like Anna was so not connected to spirit. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is all this is all fiction, though, right? So. This is all fiction, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. It has nothing to do with me at all. It's just a story. Um, but yeah, so I think that that was really like the like I I started listening to my intuition because like it was the best thing I had. Like there was, there, there was like no other option. Like, cause everything else had fallen apart, you know? And it's like, mm, well, clearly that's yeah. not going to work anymore. <laughs> this is not working. I think that's just a beautiful way to mm-hmm. articulate it. Like you're in, in that to, to touch into our, to, in, to touch into your intuition is to touch, was to touch into your mom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that that's really um, a very spiritual experience and, you know, just very core, like how we look for our spirituality sometimes is through those absences. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I remember writing one time, like just doing like a journaling thing when I was just trying to figure out some stuff. And I just decided to start like writing my mom questions, you know, and yeah. then I would answer them. Like Wonderful. I would write and then I would answer Amazing. them and I would write and I would answer. I'm like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, and completely fabulous. And I was going to, because I was going to ask you when you later on, you know, when you had these characters, like, you know, that more characters appeared. And I wondered, you know, on that sort of continuum, were there characters that showed up that were really surprising to you? Yeah. So 
I think, I don't know if any of them were particularly, like, surprising. Um, it was, it was interesting. Like, one of the things that I, I think was a little surprising to me with this second round was, like, I actually, I put myself in there. Like, I put Heather in there, you ah. know? So, so it wasn't any more of, like, I was, like, back and forth between Anna and Vivian. But all of a sudden, it was, like, I had my sense of self in there that I could, I could interact with both Vivian and Anna and then I also developed a character, oh, <laughs> two others. So one, and I mean, this one is going to be exceptionally obvious, you know, one was my Ani character, right? Which is just like my fear, full on like feminist social justice fury. And the other one um, is this character, Phoenix, that I put in there that um, also it makes is phoenix probably is my favorite character that like when i'm writing now because in my in my fairy porn <laughs> you know in my erotica phoenix is a shape-shifting panther that is like as old as existence and so it's this really fun thing where like like phoenix kind of comes in and is sort of like the grounding force of reminding all of the other characters to just like get past themselves for a second you know Mm. it's like all right like let's do that let's step back and really feel and see what matters you know big picture big picture yeah like the 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 like y'all are stuck on yourselves Right, yeah, like that that big like reminder of like, yeah, okay, come on, like let's let's move past this, let's get out of this, you know, something else that we were um thinking about was how I love how you describe in your story that you would look at your life before and say, "Oh, well, of course it didn't work like." course my relationships had trouble because I was gay like that's the Mm. that's the key and then how the pandemic I think the pandemic put so much in perspective like you like you expressed and um, that there are a lot of different things that that we don't we didn't have the chance or maybe we're too busy sometimes to like really dig deeper into Mm -hmm. and I loved hearing that from you Um, yeah yeah, it was, it definitely, I had a lot of really great conversations with my ex-husband through that too. It would like, I would be learning all of this stuff that I was going through with my friend, you know, and then realizing like how many like misunderstandings or wrong assumptions that I had probably made about lots of different experiences, <clears throat> excuse me, um, back in my marriage and then I would talk to my ex about it and you know and we we've had this lovely thing where we have just you know we've been split for like I don't know eight and a half years now and we um we apologize to each other a lot like every time we read a new book or new information comes in about something we're like oh wow yeah I missed that whole thing sorry you know <laughs> like so that was good so that was definitely a big one for me to like just see how much stuff I had just ignored and chalked up to something else when there was really much more that I needed to own and apologize for. Yeah. And it's great like that, that you sort of came to that. Cause I was, you know, 
thinking like, you know, that we, we always have these little tricks that we can kind of box something up and put it on the mm-hmm. shelf, you know, and it just never, it just doesn't work that way. You know, all of these things are always operating and uh, revealing themselves and the layers and layers and layers being pulled back. And, you know, just, it's really um, pointed to hear you just talk about that. Oh yeah, you thought you'd put it away. I'm gay, I'm gay. But then, you know, you had this, this really amazing opportunity come to you where you had such strong feelings for this guy and such in love. And then it just, that box just fell off the shelf and revealed its cornucopia of information to you about what you had, what you hadn't touched. Wouldn't it be lovely if we could like actually see that shelf and like see the labels on the boxes you know, like what is all waiting for it? Because I wouldn't have been able to tell you that that was a box on my shelf <laughs> until that box fell off no, the shelf. I understand. Like, like that would be great to just be able to see a really well organized. <laughs> That's Anna. That was Anna right there. She's like, I want to see that shelf. It better be labeled. <laughs> and Vivian's like, there are no boxes. There is no, no shelf. There is we nothing. We another <laughs> orgasm. Right. <laughs> That's right. I'm always trying to figure out what the label says on my ass, but I can't quite <laughs> get around to see it. Um, well, Heather, thank you so much for being with us. And this has just been delightful. And I'm really missing mm-hmm. Vino and Vulvas. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, Heather has orchestrated these amazing panels of of professionals that come and speak and then there's a chance for you to write in a question at the end and there some of them are picked anonymously and they're on all ranges of topics having to do with sex uh people with vulvas there's there there have been some for for men i don't know if they've been like straight we try to be just like all inclusive and acknowledge that like there really is no narrative that belongs to any one set of orientation gender and genitals and so what? we I know I know right shocking <laughs> but yeah so we've really like I think just broken it down to where, like we're just talking about like humans and human sexuality and all of these things can apply differently in all different ways and we'll also drop a link to Heather's amazing crotch art coloring books Really great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you like the podcast, please feel free to like and subscribe or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can get in touch with us on Instagram at Wonderqueer Podcasts or at Wonderqueer.com. And until next time, keep swimming in the wonder. Keep cheering the queer. Bye. Bye.